Lights 350 and sound 84. Testing. Testing. Progress is born of agitation. It is agitation or stagnation. I've taken my choice. Los sindicatos. Tu voz en tu lugar de trabajo. This is Sabocat! Episode 5. Same Sky. You are rolling. Thank you, rolling. Rolling right along. Welcome to the second of Sabacat's Mike on the Street. Mike on the Street is a collaboration between Sabacat Sound and Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice, reaching out to hear from those on the front line of the housing crisis. All interviews were conducted anonymously as a blanket policy, both out of respect for the personal nature of the questions and because some members of the houseless community expressed concerns about police retaliation. So we've named our interviewee today Jim. Our first question was, what's something you want to share with people who have never experienced homelessness? First, uh, always start with the individual. So don't assume that, you know, you know this person or their backdrop or their story or, or the events that, you know, brought them to where they're at. Because really everybody, um, whether you live in that big house down a dirt road with lots of property surrounding you or that small room in town or, or a tent... You know, that we, we all still live underneath the same sky. Yeah, start with the individual before you, you know, start making assumptions that you actually know this person because they're sitting on a park bench with all of their stuff. Do you feel that your voice matters? Okay, so, um, yes and no. But part of the reason is that I haven't pushed my voice is the same much as some other people have. I mean, and, and, and I take responsibility for that. Certain people just don't mind laying low every once in a while, you know. But uh, I, I haven't been homeless for a while. Most of my experiences were all in the 80s. They were from coast to coast. So I grew up in Denver, backpacked around the country. You know, I had great jobs in Miami Beach, Philadelphia, worked in Aspen, Colorado, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of well-rounded, but being young and not so bright, I made some poor decisions that put me on the street or in a tent outside of town, right? I mean, of the two almost years I worked and lived in Philadelphia, I was probably on the streets there for about like six months, you know, in different periods, like two months here, three months here. And that's, that's when... I noticed the drinking started to take off. It kind of starts with people you hang out with, but then you realize, you know, because life is a little on the rough side, that anything to just smooth the edges for a while, you know, uh, is incredible. You know, it's like a, a temporary relief. But you don't realize until later that you're also compounding the problem. You have to get sober long enough to get off the streets. And that was my issue about halfway through all my homeless experiences. If you could have the city change one thing, what would it be? The budget. So we all know about the pie theory, right? You know, I, I get it. I understand there's a lot of people that pay expensive property taxes, you know, utility bills. They, they put a lot of money into the system. Does it make it right that if, if you're on the city council or in a position to make changes, that you should give more of an ear to them as opposed to someone who's 
not putting into the system, but using certain resources that like the food banks or, you know, see, I would definitely say uh, the budget because you can use all the band-aids you want to temporarily soften the problem. You can always figure out a way to shoo them off to the next county in hopes that they'll, you know, start getting to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it will never change, you know. And the six years I've been in Ashland, I've seen this as a major corridor. So because of my previous homeless experiences, it is so easy to see these individuals. I mean, I try to help where I can, but, you know, I, I see this as a main corridor. I see people who, some of the things that helped me was going through a treatment program and a halfway house. Even if you don't have a drinking problem, some people I've noticed have cognitive issues. My deal with schizophrenia, um, you know, whatever. But so it's almost impossible for some of these individuals to say, you know what, you're right. We should take responsibility. We should go hang out in a mission. We should get showered up, get a job, collect a couple of paychecks and get plugged in. And that's, that's like a really hard thing to do when you're living moment by moment, day by day. And especially, even if you don't have a drinking issue, you have a cognitive issue, there has to be some kind of system that either goes out to them or makes it really easy and accessible for these people to stop dealing with this revolving door. Yeah, I think it was Seattle, I'm not sure, but there was a program where caseworkers would go out to some of the drug addicts who were on the streets because they decided instead of always putting them in jail, always putting them in jail, spend some of the money on sending people out to these individuals and keeping track of them, getting the help that they could use, whether it was medication or or just someone to talk to. It, It proved to be cheaper for the city and there was actually some success. Basically, this is last July 11th, I did celebrate 32 years clean and sober. It wasn't easy getting sober, but because of the resources of the treatment center and the halfway houses, even if you don't need a treatment center, some kind of halfway house, you know, to stop the revolving door because you don't want to stare at the problem, get to the roots. Because if you want to blow it away, it's pretty easy for the wind to shift direction and blow it back. What can the greater community do to help? Yeah, I gotta say again, it's it's about going going to them because if you wanna get someone motivated to say, hey, hey, all you need to do is hop on a bus, go halfway across town, and there's this meeting going on, right? You know, what you figured out is, hey, how about if we go to the to the community center, you know, where it's easy for them to come along and sit down. So when I hear the question, you're pretty much talking across the spectrum, all the way from the mayor to a business owner to a cook in a kitchen, you know, people that are working and paying taxes and volunteering, yeah, across the board. Pick out two or three potential solutions, you know, just like the good old-fashioned research, find out what works best, uh, commit with it, but give it enough time, not just, well, wait until the next election and, you know, gee, a, a whole year went by, but as you can see, there were no results. You know, you got to give some kind of program enough time not trying to get like, uh, you know, pseudoscience or religious on anybody because everyone has their own choice how they wish to see the great divine, right? Many rivers end up in the same ocean. So I I would say that 
from my perspective, one of the reasons I think God created so many of us was to help each other out. And it's okay to sacrifice if you're one of those big houses on the hill, you know, I mean, you know, here in town somewhere, you know, I mean, I just wish that so many people wouldn't freak out if they're learning that, oh, there's going to be a halfway house or some kind of a, you know, community project or program next to their house that's going to deteriorate their real estate value, boils back down to money. And I'm going, well, then, then stay comfortable in seeing them around town, at, at the plaza, you know, panhandling on every other street corner with the sign. You know, get used to that. Figure out a way somewhere to sacrifice so that the entire picture gradually changes. Last thoughts to share? I know at some point in time, I'm either going to go back to Colorado or somewhere else and to be able to give back in, in some way. And hopefully one of those council members or the new mayor or whoever, uh, they're going to say, you know what? Yeah, it's, it's going to hurt maybe some of the people that are more wealthy in the community that are really indifferent about this, you know, because they're, maybe it was their upbringing, maybe not that they're spoiled brats. I remember when I was hitchhiking around the country, you know, when all was said and done in the span of like three or four years when I was working in, you know, different places, I counted the states and I had actually hitchhiked to 36 states. So yeah, we're talking about Newark, New Jersey, LA, everywhere. So, but I noticed that most of the people that picked me up hitchhiking had been out there once themselves before. Not everyone, but most of them. It's really trying to reach the people in a position, you know, of power or decision-making that that hasn't been there. You know, those are the ones you kind of have to sit down with and spend just a little more time. You're going to lack a certain amount of passion if you haven't been there, human nature. I, I tell, you know, a lot of my, my friends, I say, you know, hey, you know, here's a black man who I've been friends with for many, many years, but I'll never, ever, ever be able to truly understand what it's like to be a black man in America. And he doesn't fault me for that. I mean, you can be compassionate, understanding, but, you know, it's one of those things where um, I'll just never completely understand. You know, we're still all, all underneath the same sky. Thank you, Jim. We surely appreciate your time. Production thanks to Vanessa Hauck for taking the mic out on the street, Emil Snyder for being our Linux computer master, and Sabacat's own Texas troubadour, Mozart Pearson, for slinging his guitar for this episode. Keep doing what you can, when you can. This is Sabacat. I miss my mama's cooking And that girl who's so good-looking Trade up all my wages in the world. I'm Kevin Kennerly, and I can literally read the phone book and you'll listen. Adam. Adams. Adamson. Eitken. <laughs>